Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare, and you've found the place where we talk horses. On today's show, we have a cowboy and horse trainer from Star Valley, Wyoming. He's been cowboying for 32 years, from Florida to Oregon, from Montana to Arizona. I wanted to get him on the show today and talk about not only cowboy life, but also his horse training techniques. From Star Valley, Wyoming, here's Sean Dunn. Good morning, Sean. How are you doing? Good morning, John. I'm so excited to be here with you. I understand you're getting a big storm through Wyoming right now. Yes, we are. Yeah. We're getting dumped on. We've had uh, eight inches tonight, and uh, it's not supposed to stop till Monday. So. Oh, wow. Hey, send a little bit of that down to California. We could use a little bit more. You need a little moisture? <laughs> All right. So you've been cowboying for 32 years, and you started in 1991. I was I was 37 back then. What was cowboying like back when you started? Well, I started in Arizona. My dad owned a little ranch there, and that's what got me started, actually. I got the bug. You know, from Arizona to Florida, that's the first place I went to. And, you know, the cowboy culture is it, – it, it's different between where you're at and, you know, different locations are different, different regions, I guess. But a lot of it's the same. The basics are the same, but everybody has a different thought of how to do things. And uh, back then, to me, I, it was uh, my dream. That's I decided that's what I want to do, and uh, that's all I want to do, and that's the lifestyle I want. So I got started doing it. I've been in California all my life. I don't think of Florida as a big cow country. What did you do there? I didn't either until I went there. And actually, as far as cattle, it's large, very large. Some of the large, well, the uh, largest ranch in the U.S. is where I was at, Desert Cattle and Citrus. And they had, oh, 290,000 acres. My gosh. So it's a it's a big piece of ground. And most of the ranches there were, you know, they had a thousand head and up to two thousand head or more. And it's they grow a lot of grass, so it's a good place. It's tough. There's a lot of the swamp, and so they have to deal with uh, certain breeds to so that they can have the vigor to actually survive that kind of country. But it was a great place for me to transition. I got married and we moved out there, and it was a good place for me to be. They really educate your the cowboys and i enjoyed that i'm i'm a, I'm a learner i want to learn i'm constantly wanting to learn something. yeah has it always been quarter horses that you've used on the ranches like that um, yes they they had a good good breed of horses and i can't tell you what the breed was but i know they were very cally and one of the first horses i actually rode that were had a lot of cow in them and that to me, that's just a lot of fun when they actually have it naturally. You know, it's like a retriever. There, you throw a ball, they're gonna go get it. Right. Yeah. With cow horses, you know, you have a cow. That's part of it. You know, you horses and cows they go together, and uh, they showed a lot of cow. And then just to go back to Arizona, so you started on your your dad's ranch, and then you yeah. worked there. Did you grow up on horseback? I did not about 19 is when my dad bought the place and I had some experience I had people that 
let me ride their horses. As a younger kid, as a junior high kid, I had some troubles in in my my life, I guess. And horses were they heal? They're a healing. They have a healing property to them. I don't know how that is. I don't know why that is, but they do. And I know they can help people, and they sure helped me get started. That's what really got me interested in horses. And then uh, my dad buying that ranch got me started cowboying, and then I, I fell in love with that lifestyle. Cool. Was there a time when you realized that, man, there's, you know what? I've been treating horses kind of like this, but there's so much more that I need to learn. Was there kind of a an aha moment where you went, man, I, you saw somebody do something with a horse that you didn't think was possible that, you know, you go, hey, I want to learn more about how horses work and, and how to get them to, to do what I want them to do. Absolutely. In fact, the funny thing is, is you say aha. Well, I use that term because I have that right now. I'll have an aha day with a horse. And I, I that's when everything clicks and my horse is with, I'm with that horse. And that's a goal that we all have. You know, as horse people, as horse trainers, I want to have that day. But, you know, I learned from an old guy uh, that we snubbed up the horse and got on and away we went and hopefully everything turned out okay and it was you against the horse that that causes a they're a bigger you know they win (laughs) there's got to be a better way you know after a while it hurts you know the things you know just getting bucked off is not necessarily fun yeah and so i got to back then it was read a book uh vhs maybe (laughs) there wasn't a lot out there and uh, my first VHS, I asked, actually was Chris Cox, and he started a Utah Mustang, and I found it at a, at the library, because that's how I was so wanting to get better at what I did. And uh, I watched that. I was in Florida when I was watching it, and I had the horses there. I had colt, a couple colts I was riding, so he got on one without a without a halter. And he got the got it saddled, and he had the halter off, and he started riding around the round pin. And I thought, wow, that's cool. And he did it in a day, so I said, I'm gonna do that because I'm a little bit stubborn that way. <laughs> well, three weeks later, I was just getting just getting to where I could get on him. My timing wasn't very good, and I, and it took me way longer. And that's the problem with some of the videos that we see. Uh, and we don't, and if we don't have that experience, and I don't think you can get that experience except for doing it and being part of it. It's hard to watch. I always say watching horses, somebody ride a horse or training. It's like golf. If you're not a golfer, you it's bore it's boring to watch. They make it look too easy, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not that. Go try to play, and it's tough. Well, the same with horses. It's it's easy. You can watch it, and but you got to feel. It's such a feel, and that's why it's so hard. to to help people learn how is because every horse is going to be different and every situation might be different. And even the same horse, the next day you might change just because they're individuals. I've always found that to be the challenging part in in speaking with trainers throughout the years. I've got three horses out back. One's my wife and I get to ride two of them. And 
that's where the bulk of my experience has come from for the last 15 years or so. So it's really kind of hard to have that well-rounded horsemanship knowledge based on two horses or three horses. And I think that's where your experience working on ranches, dealing with horses day in and day out, having to maybe ride a different horse every day for a different job, probably gives you an insight that that the recreational horse rider just can't fathom. Yeah, I agree. And with my experience that I always had outside horses at the ranches I had too. So I'd have a couple colts that I'd be starting. So I, I've, I've been on a, I can't remember the last time I had a, a broke horse that I actually rode. So to get on a something broke, that's a different field too. So I'm a colt starter. I mean, but really there's different, different trainers and, and my experience is starting colts but also riding outside, you know, cause I've spent a lot of time outside on horses mm-hmm. and I think there's a, there's, that's a challenge in itself. So there's so many different disciplines and I just hope to help people with their out, you know, my, my experience outside. So a lot of people are scared to go outside or they don't enjoy their rides. You know, they want to be a trail, they want to go on a trail, but man, they struck, they, they are fearful of being out there. I like I try to help people get over that fear or see that there is a there is a way to enjoy yourself and not be fearful of that. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because it is different riding outside than in an arena. And how do you help people make that transition? Well, I've heard you on your podcast say and I and you you'll fix it for me as far as uh beginning riders want to do advanced moves and and so on and so on well honestly i go back to the fundamentals i need fundamentals inside and i spend some time inside to control my horse's feet if i control my horse's feet i control their mind then i go outside and there are certain things that at certain obstacles that i already have the i have the motions the horse understands the the cue now i have to put it to the obstacle whether it's water whether it's over over logs or whether it's just moving to the left or to the right so he's not rubbing me off on a tree or or branches hitting me in the face or or even having branches rubbing on the horse sometimes that's a scary thing they've never been outside they never had that that feel so do you do that in a in a round pen or you do it in in the arena i i start with and, and i start all my horses in a round pen and I, and I start with desensitizing them, but my first is control their feet. And with that, I, I call it liberty. I, it's my liberty. Mm-hmm. It's not extensive by any means, but they're free. I work on changing direction. And you got to start. You have to start somewhere. You know, you have to have a basic plan. If you don't walk into a, your arena or your round pin with a plan, with a thought, before you go in there, well, that horse, I don't know how they do it, but they read your, they'll read your mind. They read your body. So I want to make sure I have a plan before I go into any situation. And with that plan, then I, that gives them some leadership, even though I'm just thinking it. They feel it. What age do you like starting the, your colts? I like to start them as a two-year-old, but I don't, do, I don't put a lot of pressure on them. 
and I'll get them saddled. I might get 10 rides on them, but they're mostly inside. I don't really want to take them outside. If the, if here in Wyoming, I'm stuck where I do a lot of riding inside in the winter and then I, then we can get out and it's not till June before I can really get outside, but I'll take them for a couple rides outside and then leave them alone at three. I, then I'll really start them. But I used to question that and I used to really be careful about that. And I watched the I'm always learning and I was watching a, another podcast or listening to somebody and they were saying if we use our horses when they're younger, you know, they say they're they're not closed up, their knees aren't closed up and I'm not exactly sure how that works, but if they say we use them younger, it helps them to get more bone growth. It helps them to be a little more sturdy. So I'm not sure exactly the what I think of that. I just use them a little more than I used to. You know, I used to just barely get them going and then then I turn them out until they're three and then I start back to riding them. So I tell my clients the same thing. If they want to bring me a horse as a two-year-old, I'll get them started nice and then turn them out as a three-year-old, bring them back and let's work them again and get them going again and then take them outside. And most of my rides will be outside because that's what they want here. There's a lot of trail riding here. And it's because of the country that we live in. I mean, I I live in some beautiful, absolutely beautiful country and, so that's what people do here. And so that's what my training has become. I do some cow work and put a horse on a cow a little bit just because that's my background. And I think a horse and a cow go together. But, you know, everybody has a technique and everybody's different in some of their techniques and every trainer. And I just, one thing I would like to convey is there isn't one specific way. There's a ton of different ways it has to change with how your horse reacts to what you're training him to do. So watch your horse. Your horse tells you how what you should be doing. Can you give us an example of that? Sure. So, and I watch a lot of, you know, I YouTube a lot of stuff. <laughs> Not, I just, and because I'm constantly learning. I And I think that's the best thing, greatest thing about horses. I don't care. You can be training a horse their whole life and be learning yourself the whole time. But uh, as far as doing something different, I might be trying something with a horse and he, it's not happening. And it might be how I'm, how I'm asking the horse to turn or something like that. And there might be a little technique that I find from somebody else that says, oh, this is how I do it. And if I try it with that horse, it, he might click and he might understand that a much, much easier than the, what I was doing. Well, then now I just put that in my pocket. Now that's another tool I have to help that horse. And so it changes so drastic. You know, it could, you're just constantly trying to change your program to help the horse that you're riding at the time. But is it, isn't there also like a danger of changing too much that you can tend to confuse the horse a little bit? Yes, I can agree with that. But if I'm asking something and being consistent with what I'm asking, you know, and I'm, and I'm being slow about it. Now, you know, we're talking, this isn't going to happen within 30 seconds. This is going to take some time, but right. they're, they want to learn just as quick as we do. They, they're trying, especially if you've got a horse that you've prepared. He, he likes people. He wants to be around you. He's trying to please you. And so if we're, if we're slow, if we're consistent with them and don't get impatient with them, one of the things I say, uh, abuse begins where ignorance starts. 
because we don't know what to do, then we then we just get hot harder. Right. And that's not necessarily the case. The case is is, is okay. I, I'm this isn't working. I can change right in mid stride. This isn't working. I can change and do something different. And if I'm my release is correct, because I, and I train by pressure release. Everything I do is pressure release. So if I'm releasing at the right time, my horse will pick up on that and I'm consistent with my ask. Now, if he's not getting it, I might change a little bit what I've done and, and it, it he might pick that up. But that's, like I said, it's a subtle change. It's not a huge change, but I'm being patient with him. Yeah. You know, when you said release, I th- I think that's one of the biggest keys that I've learned is that if you teach your horse that the reward is the release and you said, well, you know, horses want to please. I, I kind of agree with that, but I think there are some horses that they're more interested in the release than pleasing you. They want that release. And if you've taught them that release really well, do you think that that's enough? And if you're training, if you're trying to do a difficult maneuver and it's not really going well, to step back and do a much simpler maneuver and exaggerate that release so that the horse goes, oh yeah, that's what I'm after. That's really the the piece of cake that, of this whole whole endeavor. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but yeah. So with my release, and that's um, it's taken me years to finally figure out how to release because you know being soft and being asking nicely or easily is not going to make your horse softer giving when when you ask for something and then giving it at the right time will make him softer and i don't care so if i pick up and i'll just use this as an example i have a snaffle in his mouth just a a ring snaffle Mm -hmm. smooth ring snaffle not twisted just smooth and i pick up i pick up softly and make contact with his with his uh mouth and then once I make contact, it doesn't. I can pull with 300 pounds of pressure, but I let go as soon as he lets go. And I always use an example: if you take your fist and you put it by your jaw, and you just and you have about an inch, and you you hit yourself in the jaw, not hard, but just bump yourself in the jaw. How about you take your fist and you touch your jaw, and now you push? It's a huge difference. Right. And that's all I'm asking. But I let go at the right time. There are horses I've I've had I owned a mare that was n- no nonsense. Do your work, busy. Let's go do our work. And she did a she was phenomenal. She really did a good job with what she did. But she that she was all business. When I've had other horses that they're a little more playful, they they're, they want to please you, but you know they're they're not so hey they're not going to get aggravated with if we're out there just dorking around a little bit, you know. And that's something that every horse has a different temperament. So you're going to have to change whatever you're doing to the temperament of your horse or the, or just its, its whole demeanor. My softness comes with, starts with my groundwork and my pressure release. You know, I ask for a turn, I ask for, and I give, but also you can put pressure on a horse and that, then that, and then back away. And I'll just use that as an example. So I make, I just wanted to move forward. I put my pressure on that horse and ask him to really move out. And then I back off really, I get away from him quickly. I just made my release bigger. Right, right. Sometimes we have to help the horse by making that release bigger. Other times, if I ask and I get just a try, that's my 
time for release because I just got to try. I just, I'm asking for a try. Release, give it all back to him. Hey, you tried a good job. And I hear another guy, he says, rub him like he won the world championship. And he's absolutely right. Give him that. Let him go. Now let him think about it. Let him know, hey, that was a good try. I appreciate the try. Before long, they start they start hunting the release. Oh, and they're, and at the same time, I'm going to say he's actually trying to please me too because he's hunting the release. So he's trying to do what he's asked to do. Right, right. And before, before long, he's going to try to do, even if I start something new, he's trying to figure it out. Even though it's his first time, he might pick it up really fast or he might be like, nope, that's not it. That wasn't what I was asking. And you just have to help guide him to what you were asking him to do. What are the three or four biggest exercises that you do in the round pen? Changing gates. Depending on the horse, if a horse is has a lot of forward motion, I'm good. With, I like forward motion because that makes him easier once I get on him. He has the forward motion. But I will work on changing the gait, slowing down forward motion, slowing back down from walk to trot or from canter to trot, trot to walk, walk to stop. And then if he's sticky, then I'm going to work on more of a forward. I need him to move forward. And every time he moves forward or every time he slows down, I slow down in my body. So there's two, two things of, with that is my energy comes from two different places, outward movement and my inside, my, in, my nerve, my energy. And I don't know if this, I, if it's your spirit or your, your soul, I don't know, you know, that it's a hard thing to say, but you can put a lot of energy out there from, from inside. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody that's really nervous. Mm-hmm. Well, they got nervous energy. It, it portrays, you know, that person's high energy. Right. I know, you know that, and, and it doesn't take long to figure that out. Well, a horse feels that too. And I can convey a lot just by m- my thoughts or, or the energy I'm putting out towards that horse. And so those are things, those are a couple of the things I work on a lot. And that's the very beginning. I work on a lot of work. You got to do one side or the other, make sure you go in both directions. A lot of people, our horses are left-handed and right-handed, left side, right side. Most of them more comfortable if you're on the left side than the right, because we do more on that side. We need to make sure that we balance everything out. That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. What about the, the backup? My back comes from, I, I start with a halter and I ask for back and I do the same thing. My pressure release, if I squeeze, even if I just squeeze the halter and I do the same with my reins for a back, if I, my first time asking for a back, I get on and I just squeeze my reins and I, and I, I use verbal and I, some trainers don't like verbal, some We'll use some verbal and I say back and I also use my legs as much as possible. And if I get a tr- even a half a step or a thought or, a, or he, he sits back a little, I release. And that's the start of my back from a cold. He just, bur- he, he thought it. I felt him shift his weight back. And within, within five minutes, a lot of times I've got a, I've already got a back before long. I got their heads down and I've got, cold, you know, softness in the face. But it just starts with something simple. I'll squeeze the reins, maybe maybe squeeze with my legs a little, sit up so I'm not on their loins, so I, it gives them some, so they can move. I'm not just making right. them pick my body up. And th- those are things that I've learned over time. And I've learned that I can do more with less 
than a long time ago. I, you know, it was ugly. It wasn't very pretty. Now it comes a lot faster and I'm slower. So slow is fast as long as I'm patient. And, and if I own what I'm doing, own, own what your training is, I always look at myself if something's going wrong with the horse. I always look at myself first. It's not, I hear a lot, oh, that horse, that dumb horse. No, it, no that, that's not that horse. That, it's the guy on top of him. And I always look at myself, okay, what am I doing to cause this? And then I try to change what I'm doing to help that horse to succeed at whatever I'm doing. One of the challenges I think our listeners face, you start cults. So you start them from the beginning. They're, they're kind of a blank slate. All the stuff that you do for them is based on the program that you've developed. As you've made mistakes on your earlier cults and kind of eliminated those mistakes on the cults that you start now, well... Sure. Those earlier cults that a trainer has made mistakes on then get sold to a recreational rider, and now that rider has really no sense of history about that horse, but it does know that it has certain issues or problems. And those are the hardest, I think, for for people to fix particularly the recreational rider who doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Is there such a thing as rehabilitation of working through some of the issues that horses have? Have you run into problems where you're helping a client with a, a horse has an issue with something and that you know started from another trainer? Absolutely. How about start from the owner? Because we get a, here where we're at is, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to start this horse on my own. And then it's, oh, I, I'm not getting her done. This isn't working. It's not good. Right. And then they find some, then they find somebody to help them with their horse. And my, my process always, always is I start at the beginning and I start back to my round pin and I'm going to call it my Liberty. You know, I start with some Liberty because that li- that little bit of Liberty work that I do that little bit, it helps that horse gain some confidence in me too, because I'm not controlling that horse. He's doing it. So I'm not control completely controlling him. I, you know, I'm doing it by my movement or where I'm at, but I start from the ground zero and I start all over again. We need to have a conversation first before I even know who you are, or what, what issues you have. I'd like to talk to you first. Right. And, and basically that's what my, that's what your groundwork is, is, being able to communicate with your horse and having a getting to know each other and where you're at and who you are. Now, some horses can be false. You know, they're great on the ground. As soon as you get on them, they're going to buck like a, you know, a madman. And and I still say that's man-made a lot of times, most of the time in the 90 percentile. We just have to work with that and try to convey the message that, hey, this isn't okay. And my not okay is, is you want to act like that, then I'm going to control your feet. I'm going to make you move a little more than you want to. And then as soon as you quit doing what, whatever we don't want to see, whatever behavior, I'm going to release. As soon as it changes, I'm going to release and relax and, and let him have his win back and maybe let him know that, hey, look, we don't need to act like that. I can imagine that that's, got to be a bit of a nightmare for you to 
take on a horse where an owner has said, well, I tried starting this horse, but I was struggling. So now I've been working at it for a couple months now. I'm finally going to give up and let you <laughs> do take over. And then, and then they want it done in 30 days. And that's not, <laughs> that's not okay. And, and we're starting to get away from that as a whole, as a community, 30 days isn't, and I'm pushing to be away from that. I don't want to do 30 days anymore. I'm getting older too. And man, I sure like the, after 30 days, it's a joy to ride because I've got them going nice. Now I can start teaching. Right. And I like the teaching part. I don't want this. I'm not a young guy anymore. I don't want to, I'm not into to see what I, if I can get, you know, if I can get this cold going, I'm, I want to start teaching and I enjoy that part. So that's starting to be more enjoyable to me, but People need to realize that you can do work and you can get them going. And and if you don't ask too much, you're not going to get a whole lot. But at the same time, you're not going to screw them up a whole lot either. So we and being patient with them, we have so many. YouTube is such a huge educational thing. There's four million ways to do one thing, and you can go try it out. And as long as you're not too you don't get too big with them and you try, oh, it's kind of working. It's kind of work. Well, now I might spend some more time doing that and see how it works because you're going to, you're going to have some holes if you don't have the experience. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have some terrible holes. Those holes you could, might be able to fix as you educate yourself some more. I'm not necessarily saying I'm an advocate for people starting their own horses. I think it's better to send them to somebody and let them start to start your colt and get them going decent. And then go ahead and start riding, especially if you don't have the time. Yes. Because once you have a younger horse, you are a trainer. Even if you put 60 days, have somebody put 60 to 90 days, you're still a trainer. You have to be a trainer to a point. You have to start helping that horse. and You're going to have to train that horse as he progresses. And I don't care if he's 10 years old. You're still training. I mean, imagine you're still training on your horses. Yeah. Well, you're you're a trainer. You you're you're a trainer. I firmly believe that whenever I'm interacting with my horse, he is watching me every step I make and I'm either training him to do something good or training him to do something bad, whether it's bad. Going to the feed bin, you know, carrying that flake of hay in there and he starts crowding me. I hey son, you got to back off of this, you know? Absolutely. I I I say and I always use kids as an example. You know, with kids, you can teach it. You teach your kids. Eventually, you don't have to teach them something anymore, whether whatever it is, because they'll they're like, okay, I know how. I'll do this. This is what I do. A horse, you can teach them that, but every once in a while, you're going to have to go back to it and say, remember, <laughs> you're not doing that, and they're constantly going to try you. So you're constantly a train. You're constantly going to be having to train them because if you give them an inch, eventually they're going to take take some more because that's just their personality that's their temperament yeah. and a lot some are more than others but that's why it's so enjoyable to me is it's always a challenge it's always something you have to be paying attention but also the rewards are are huge you know when you see a change and that's why i love younger horses is because they change so much okay. and they they sure and the interaction with them and that's something else that we don't realize how much they understand our, if I have good thoughts about them, they know it. If I have, if I'm thinking they're, man, this rotten, no good, 
son of a gun. Well, they know it. They know we think that way. And so they're so honest with us. And I can go out and have a bad day and come back to my horses and and turn it into a, a good day just because they're going to be honest with me. Yeah. That's our part about trainers is I read some things on some cult trainers. Well, they prefer to be around horses than they do people. <laughs> you know, there, there's something to that because they are honest. It's an easy relationship to be around. Yeah. Yes, it, it is. It's yeah. Easy, it's, it's black and white. If, if you have any kind of awareness, you know, you're, Horse knows what you're going to do a lot of times before you're going to do it. And they are so empathetic. That That is a honest relationship most of the time. We always hear that a uh, horse is a reflection of the owner. And there's some there's a lot of truth to that. I bet. Yeah. Do you do clinics, Sean? I call them classes. I do two-day classes. Mm-hmm. My push here where we're at is most people we do classes with thought of how to handle a trail. And I find that a lot of people, you know, loading a horse, unloading a horse, getting out on the trail. What's the first, what do we think about how to be safe? And uh, that's most important is how can we be safe out there? So we work on groundwork for half a day and we take off and we load up in a trailer and we go ride some trails. Yeah. Are there any tips you can give us from what you teach your students in those classes? If we can control our horse's feet, we can put them anywhere. So, and if we are loose and I'll, I'll just use an example as far as how I ride. And, and I can tell a story about that is I, I let my horses, my reins are rather loose. I let them, ha- they need to have be droopy. So I give my horse some freedom. I let them look at the trail a little bit. You know, I don't let them just, they're not, I don't want them to be just a hound dog and have their nose on the trail smelling this, looking at this, weaving. I want them to walk out, but I want them to pay attention to the trail. And I start that from ground zero, you know, very beginning. And if they look at the trail and I, and they know that they can look at the trail, then when they come to an obstacle, the first thing they do is they look at that obstacle. People hold their horses so tight a lot of times when they're riding that the horse can't see where he's going or he doesn't know where the, he doesn't know the trail very well so when he gets to the obstacle he instead of looking at the obstacle and getting through it in a slow manner he's just going to blunder through it and we've all been on a horse that blunders through a scary spot right and i want him to i want that horse to pick his way and take his time they don't want to fall down or get in a pickle any worse than we want to but we got to let them have that freedom. And one of the one of the things that happens with that is I went. My story is is I I was I took two guys hunting, and they were on two horses that were they had rented. They weren't horse people at all. So I took them out. The one guy knew the country a little better than I did, and I didn't know the trail. And we went. It was dark. It's in the morning. We rode up in the dark, so I have not seen the trail. We got up to where we're at and we, they, we looked around. We, it was more of a horseback ride and that's Wyoming hunting by horseback is a big thing in Wyoming. And that's what they wanted to do. So we went for a horseback ride. Really? That's all we did on our way out. It was getting dark, but they got off and they went down another way and they're going to walk out. And I'm, we're about two hours, hour and a half away from the truck. Well, I'm on my horse. I've got two horses that I don't know and I'm leading them out. And I'm on a little trail and I can't, I, I can't see a thing. It's just black. I can't oh. see my hand in front of my face. 
So I, I'm going along and my horse wants to go to the left on the trail. And I'm like, no, the trail goes to the right. I even got off and looked and I, the trail goes to the right. So I take him, well, it only goes about 20 yards to the right and it dead ends. My horse is still wanting to go to the left, but turn around and go back. So I turn around, I go back and, oh, sure enough, I find that the trail goes to the left. Well, me should have known better, but I put my, I finally said, okay, buddy. And I put my hands down and I let my horse go out. That horse went, he followed the trail exactly back to the truck. I didn't miss a beat. I'm just a passenger. Right. <laughs> that comes from me letting him ride as a younger horse, letting him look, have his nose down to the ground a little bit, letting him know where the trail is. Now I can get home. Now that's another, most people are like, oh, that's not a big deal. Well, we can practice that during the day too. When we know the trail goes left and the trail goes to the right. Ooh. If we've left our horse alone enough, he should be able to take us back. People don't have the confidence in their horses. And I'll tell you, I've taken some classes and we've rode out late in the evening. And then we waited until dark and came back in the dark. And it's surprising how many people have never ridden their horse in the dark. Yeah. All it does is give the the people a little, it helps people with get a little more confidence in their horse. And it's surprising how well a horse can actually see. I imagine there's a certain amount of feeling that you're a team at that point too, right? Absolutely. Now it's me and the horse. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just not me riding the horse and directing them where to go. It's now that horse has got a responsibility. Please take me home. Please get me back. Yeah. And and they and they will and they can. Some don't. Some won't. And there's some that you're like, oh, he has no idea, you know, and there's some people that if you told them to go north and they wouldn't know which way north or south was, right. you know, or, you know, and you put me in, in a big city and I'm going to be the same way. I'm like, holy cow, I have no idea how to get around. Exactly. You know, that's an excellent example, because if I've gone someplace and I've used the navigation in the car and I just, you know, it says turn right here, turn left there, turn right there. If that goes out and I have to find my way back, I wasn't yep. really paying attention because the car was doing everything for me. So that could You're be done. like the rider who's directing their horse every which way. Being a passenger does that same thing. If you're not driving yeah. and you're the passenger of the car, you have no idea how to get anywhere. And the other, the driver, we've gotten away from that because we have those, our phones that tell us everything. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a plus about being out in the woods still and riding outside is, I, and I don't use the my I don't use anything, and I guess we still can. We still have electronics to help us get around. But I'm still I'm old enough where my kids make fun of me when I just try to use my phone. So I'm still a little bit of old school. But I tell you what, I can get home, and I and I trust my horse to help me get home too. But but all that comes to if you don't ride by yourself, that makes a big I like to ride by myself and I make such a big difference when I ride horses by themselves then it's and that horse and I tend to have a a lot better uh communication because he's relying on me and I'm relying on him right and a lot of people don't get that opportunity to ride but and they, I don't care you have to be safe as you do it also so it's okay to be in an arena to do it but arena work and outside work are so different I work my horses inside and, and then when I go outside, it's, I leave them alone. Let them, that's their chance to have a breath of fresh air. And you know, I might train a little bit, but it's real subtle. 
and it's not a whole lot. Most people won't even see it, but my horses just give them a chance to have a break. Kids need recess at school. Well, a horse needs his recess too. And what happens if the horse does get it bothered by something? You know, we'll run in, in our trails, we'll run into trash. There'll be a plastic bag flying around or something like that. Then, then what's, uh, what's that situation call for? And it and it changes it changes a lot. So I learned something a long time ago. Was uh, um, I had a my boss in Oregon. He's a cow boss. He's a heck of a horseman. He taught me a lot. One thing we get to a scary spot or something like that. If you just need to get by, then only let him see it with one eye. And I don't know if that makes sense. Don't let don't let him look at it with both eyes. So if I'm a mailbox and he's scared of a mailbox and I got and um. I got to get by the mailbox, then I'm only going to let him look at that with one eye to get by. Or if I have a cliff on the right side and something scary on the left and I have, and I'm riding, I don't like to get off and then, it, oh, it's a scary spot. I'm going to get off. I, I'm going to ride him through it because he need, I'm training. I'm trying to make this horse better for the next person. Right. So I need to make, let him get through that. But one way to do that is I make sure he only sees it with one eye. That way he won't look at it and then spook and get away from it. But at the same time, uh, you always hear people say, oh, he's scared of that, and they just push him to it really hard. Get up there. That's not scary. Right. I don't agree with I don't agree with that. Uh, I agree with letting him look at it. If I'm going to take the time, I'm going to walk by, and then eventually I'm going to get closer to it, and, then, and I'm going to walk by, and then I'm going to get a little closer, and I'm going to walk by. And then you're changing eyes when you do that, right? Absolutely. I'm changing eyes and, and I'm getting closer to it. And, and I want him to start, if he starts showing interest towards it, like, and you can feel that's where you have to have a feel for your horse. If he's thinking about, Oh, I'm going to look at, Hey, what is that? And that now I have curiosity. Well, now I'm going to let him, let him have that curiosity all on his own. And I'm going to let him be curious about it. Now he might go up there and, and blow on it and it wiggles and then it scares him. And I might have to start over a little bit again. I won't have to start as far away, but I'll start again. But that was that's the process of him getting better at it. And the more things he sees and the more he's around, then before long, there's not a whole lot that will bother him at all. But that's my training. That was my training opportunity. So I'm going to take it, but I'm, I don't want to make it a big deal. Now, if they just hunker up and just, just flinch, at something that's scary. I have a horse that does that. A rock will scare him. And why would a rock scare a horse? I have no idea. But and and she just flinches and will be like, oh. But she doesn't leave. Sometimes it's better to ignore it and just keep going, because if I address it, if I address it with grabbing him, then now I just made that even bigger. That's a bigger scare than what it was. Right. So a lot of times people, we we and, and we look at ourselves again. I don't want to make something worse than what it already is. And if I don't react, then the horse doesn't react because they're an image of ourselves. So if you need to get by, you let it see it out of one eye. But if you've got time to work through the problem, then you go ahead and do that. I might spend some time. And just by letting it look at it with one eye and walking by and then going down the trail and I have to come back and I have to see it again, you'd be surprised that the next on our way back, the scary thing now it just got half as scary as it was before yeah so actually i'm I'm winning Uh, my horse is getting better i'm learning and i didn't make it a big it's not it didn't turn into a big issue 
a lot of times we make bigger issues out of them. And now we cause the horse to be more scared of what, of things that he, the horse really wouldn't have been scared of if we would have just left him alone. Yeah. Well, this has been fun, Sean. I really appreciate you talking to horses with me. Well, I appreciate you. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to do what you do because I know you spend a lot of time at your craft. Thanks. I'm going to try something new on this show and see if it works or not. But let's just say you're you're sitting around the campfire after a, after a long day of riding and you're with a bunch of cowboys and there's everybody's telling stories about their either favorite horse or wildest horse or horse they've they've learned the most on, on or whatever. And uh, what is your go-to horse story if you're going to if you're going to tell one. My go-to horse story. Well, I had a horse that I was, I called him blue duck <laughs> and he, he bucked every morning and this was in Oregon and, uh, buckaroo lifestyle is a little different that they, their hand, you know, those people can ride and they can ride just about anything and they get the job done with anything they have. This horse was, a. He had my number. He, I was scared. You know, there's a poster of John Wayne where uh, I think it said, you know, courage is, is getting on even though you're scared to right. death. Yeah. So Tuesdays was my day to ride that blue duck. You know, we rotated our horses, rode them once a week. And every Tuesday I had to get up and I had to find my courage. But after a while, that horse and I, I – got to the point where I started understanding that horse a little bit and he started understanding me and he became actually one of the horses I started finally in wanting to ride, but it took a long time. So that's my, my story is, is sometimes we have to understand them. It might take a little longer than what we want, but we can take the time to understand them. And that horse was rank and he, he could buck and he was good at it. I got through and I felt good about it after a while. I, I felt like uh, I'd accomplished something. I guess that's something that I. Yeah, cool. Would he would he buck while you were working or just when you got on in the morning? Any time, anywhere, <laughs> any at the end of the day, in the middle of the day, it did it did not matter. Did you ever? I, could you ever feel it coming? No, that's the problem. He's a little. He's he was he would he catch you off if I got off a little he. Then he tried me. Sometimes he caught me, you know, more times he caught me than he didn't. And, uh, you know, that's why, you know, sometimes we have to fight through our fears. And that was another one of the times when I, that really started making me really want to be better at what I do. It's, it shouldn't be this hard. I should be able to understand my horse a little better. And it's made me a, I'm a student of the horse. You never can quit learning. Yeah. Very good. Very cool. So if people want to find out more about Sean Dunn and what you do, your classes, maybe somebody wants to come up to Wyoming for a trail ride, where shall we send them? Uh, the Facebook page is the best place okay. for me to, if they get on that and then, uh, and then, or mess or Instagram. And then if they message me, I'll, me I'll get right back to them. Perfect. I'll have those links in the show notes. Okay. That'd be awesome. And that's the thing is I'll do, I'll do it too two people class. I don't care. And I hope that I can get people to maybe look at having a, a horse vacation and they come to Wyoming and we spend a couple days and cause 
we're close enough to Jackson where they can actually, you know, some of them would in the evening, they'll run up to Jackson. They get the opportunity to go to town and then it's kind of fun for them. And they come back and we get to see some pretty country again. I hope we covered everything you wanted to. I have two things I'd like to say. It's, it's all right. This takes time, but if your timing is right, you'll have fast results. And own what you do and be consistent with how you ask. And your horse will start figuring you out. And I think that can apply to just about anybody, anywhere, any any place in there, whether they're a trainer or they just bought a horse and they're learning how to deal with a horse. Right. Consistency is the hardest thing for me to learn, being consistent. Yeah, asking, asking in a consistent way. Right. That goes back to your change where you said, well, if we change too fast, we can still change, but if we can be a little consistent in our, our change and ask, it doesn't have to be a huge change, but it's still consistent. Yeah. Very good advice. I, I sure appreciate it. Thank you very much, and uh, may you stay on top every time you ride. <laughs> That's my goal these days. Stay on top yep. every time I ride. Yep. Mine too. Mine too. And that does it for this episode. I was fortunate enough to connect with Sean Dunn via email, who shared with me his incredible journey as a cowboy and colt starter for the past three decades. Through our conversation, I realized he had valuable insights and knowledge to share. It's always a treat to talk to experienced horsemen like Sean, who live and breathe their craft. Thank you, Sean, for sharing your passion for horses and horsemanship with us. To learn more about Sean, head over to woepodcast.com for links to his Facebook and Instagram pages. You might even consider visiting his beautiful ranch in Star Valley, Wyoming. If you have show ideas or would like to suggest a guest, reach out to me at john at woepodcast.com or connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under the name Podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening and sharing the podcast with your friends and writing buddies. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.